Hello my digital friends, welcome to the download. In this episode, we'll be talking about the mystery that is blockchain and web3. Everyone keeps talking about it. So to demystify this topic here is Britain from MPAC. Hey there, this is Britain from MPAC and today I have a fun one for you guys. So it's something of a term that's been kind of thrown around the internet recently. Well, not recently, but for quite a while. And a lot of people kind of look at this thing and it's like, what on earth is blockchain? And what is Bitcoin? What's Ethereum? Why on earth should I care about any of these things? And that's those are valid questions because it's such a new topic. And a lot of people have been talking about it over the last couple of years, especially during the pandemic about buy Bitcoin, buy Ethereum, you know, get in the blockchain like it's the future. And to a lot of people, like a lot of businesses and a lot of just, you know, normal people look at this thing and it's like, what on earth is it? Why should I care about it? I see Shaq shilling coins. I see what Paris Hilton shilling coins. And you, it's like every like person and their mother and dog and celebrity and like best friend is shilling all these different coins. And it's like, how can you tell the difference between everything that's out there and what is it that I should actually be focusing on and caring about. So first, I'm going to kind of talk about like the most important part of this whole blockchain situation is really kind of what is it? What is blockchain? So the purpose of blockchain is to essentially have this decentralized ledger that anyone could come in, they could verify like different transactions, they can verify different things that are crossing from kind of like one entity to another. So if you think about like accounting, it's it's really kind of this computerized ledger accounting type of system where the purpose of it is to use what's called smart contracts to validate and make transactions between two parties. So it's trying to vet itself as kind of this next generation version of kind of like commerce, really, like it's the future of commerce and how like both money, but also like things, whether they're tangible things or whether it's uh, kind of like a digital representation of a thing, how can we get it to people easier? So we're going to dive into the whole smart contract bit a bit. So with smart contracts, there's a couple ways that you can approach these things. So if you look at like a normal contract today, it's between two parties that someone might be providing like a service, someone might be purchasing the service. But a lot of times you need like this paperwork and all these things in between to kind of help you iron out what exactly is happening. And if you can imagine that, but in a digital form. So what's cool about smart contracts is it allows you to be able to essentially put together like a set of rules as far as this is what I'm going to provide or this is what I propose And if it happens, then I get paid or I get this thing or, you know, someone else gets this thing or gets paid or whatnot. And a lot of the times you have to have some kind of like intermediary. So it could be like a lawyer or if it's like a person who comes in and they're like trying to pay you for your goods or services, you always have some kind of like you need to be a lot more hands on with how contracts currently are today. And if you can imagine like smart contracts is meaning to essentially like automate that. So the moment that the blockchain is able to identify that 
something has happened, it can immediately transact kind of that exchange between whoever the provider is to the receiver. And this is amazing because what it does is essentially tries to look at ways that we can speed up transactions because that's that's just how the world works. Everything is a transaction. I'm going to tell you something. You're going to receive it. It could be monetary things that you send back. It could be, you know, there's all kinds of ways that you can look at this. And when you look at the economy and when you look at everything surrounding it, it's a series of transactions and contracts that we have between one party to another. And a lot of that is very manual in nature. But since kind of this like digital transformation is happening and digital transformation as in like everyone's relying on the internet more, everyone's kind of going online for a lot of their different things for like social media to make purchases and whatnot, that a lot of the things that are in the physical world has to kind of meet that digital transformation now. And one of those things are smart contracts and blockchain in general. So it's this technology that's emerging. There's so many different developers that are in on this thing and starting to develop for essentially this new economy that's going to be a lot more automated. It's going to be a lot more efficient and a lot faster. And that's kind of what brings us to our next part of kind of this whole blockchain story is these differences. Like what makes blockchain any different than... I don't know, like if you went to the store and you have like Visa or MasterCard or whatever and you make purchases like how you normally do nowadays, like what what's so different about blockchain and why should we care about it? And a lot of it has to do with verification. So when you look at blockchain, everything being like decentralized, it's kind of this big, huge ledger. Uh, one of the biggest problems when you look at transactions and especially as like a small business is when someone is purchasing something, do you actually know if that person has the money to be able to buy your service or buy your good? And a lot of times people will come in, they'll buy something. And how many times have you ran into this situation where you try to like run their card and it goes through because it's like, I don't know, credit. And then come to find out a day or two later, it's like, oh, wait, they they actually don't have that money. So what could potentially happen as a small business is you don't receive that money because what ends up happening is the bank is looking at, you know, your the, the customer doesn't have that money or even worse, what happens if someone bought something like a service or bought something from you, they receive it and then all of a sudden they claim a fraud charge. So what happens is we have a lot of these different companies like Bank of America and Chase that are all centralized and they have their own systems that they do their own verification but you can never like actually prove much without having to consult with like Bank of America or Chase first. So blockchain aims to fix that by showing what actually is there, like what's actually real. You can actually verify if the person has the money, you can verify that the goods have been received. And that's kind of the purpose of decentralizing things is allowing someone to come in and get their own proof as far as like, is this thing actually exist? Like, is this something that like, is this person real? Is this someone that uh, I can actually do a transaction with? So that's a big difference is just verification. And a lot of it is ease of mind of knowing that that person is actually there. They actually got their service or their good. They actually had that money and we can live easier knowing that, which kind of goes into the next part about, verification part of that has to do with tracking and 
that's kind of the point of having this thing decentralized is you can easily track where things came from. So there was actually a really interesting story about like blockchain, a lot of like smaller businesses that are actually leveraging blockchain for clothes because there's a huge market for reuse of different materials. And a lot of the times when you purchase like clothes from a retailer, you don't know if it's actually recycled or not, even though like that's like a big thing. Like a lot of people talk about like, yes, like all the materials are recycled and you know, so on and so forth. And then sometimes they actually charge a premium for those things because it's hard to take recycled things and repurpose them and actually have them be like a reliable uh, kind of source material for that thing. So blockchain aims to allow a customer to come in and actually track that easier and actually validate, did this company actually use reusable material? Are they actually uh, recycling everything that they're bringing in from like old clothes? And it's hard to do that right now with the current system, but with blockchain, it does aim to kind of going back to that validation in that smart contract phase where the smart contract is able to validate that, yes, the recycled material is coming back. Yes, it's being repurposed and you can actually track that. So when you make that purchase, you can actually validate it yourself instead of having a centralized company or being tell you so. So part of this is also efficiency. So kind of now gearing more towards efficiency. So with everything being decentralized, you're not having to rely on, you know, some kind of like third party to, you know, eventually get something to you. You can actually use smart contracts to say, okay, like when the service is done, the smart contract will immediately send whatever the output is, the money will come in for it and everything is just taken care of. It's it's simple and easy. There's not like a step, step, step to get somewhere. And I can only imagine that when you simplify like all those different steps, that auditing is just way easier and you're not having to backtrack. You're not having to go through like old paperwork. You can actually audit things easier and just keep track of anything and everything just way more efficiently. And all of this is super important because we want blockchain to get to a point where it's it's almost kind of like it's bulletproof and it's set up in a way to where we can make commerce occur more efficiently and easily. And we can actually verify all kinds of different things, whether it's the person buying my thing or it's the materials that as a customer I might be buying from someone else. And all of this now kind of comes together into this new term that's starting to kind of propagate around, and that is Web3. So what's Web3? And before we kind of get into Web3, what it has to do with blockchain, I kind of want to look back through history of the web. So it used to be in, like in the original web, what a lot of it was is like when you think about like servers, when you think about like trying to use a computer to do different things like the web originally was for storing things. So like different files, different, uh, different like things. And a lot of it was kind of within what one would call an intranet. So you would have like some server or a database that you store a bunch of information about like your customers, about, uh, any kind of like company related documentation, all that fun stuff. That was web one. 
basically like using this thing for personal needs. It's kind of like running your own internet, intranet within your company, the store stuff. And then we got to Web 2, which is basically like, well, if I have all these things on my computer, how can I get it to someone else? So Web 2 kind of turned into this thing where you have a bunch of servers that kind of act as intermediaries that took information from like one computer to another. And first it started off with like chat rooms. So you might think of like AOL Messenger. You might think of, uh, I don't know, like one place that I used to love going to all the time. It was like this game place. It was like Lyco, like Gamesville or whatever. And you could like go on and play games with people. And like Web 2 kind of started off as like interacting with other people, whether you like sent them things or like you played like chess or Monopoly or whatever with them online checkers. And then it kind of started pivoting towards like these bigger social media uh, searching kind of capability. So what happened was we found that with Web 2, we could communicate from one person to another. But there wasn't really a lot of people that knew how to kind of make something bigger of it. So you started getting these centralized beings that would specialize in different services. So you got like Google, they started specializing in search. And then you got people like Facebook that came along and started creating like social networks. I mean, before that, there was like MySpace and all those fun people. And you could like build your own little profiles and whatnot, have fun. So... What ended up starting to happen is these companies started realizing that they could specialize in something and make money. And really, the way that they started making money is through sharing information. So, so much information was coming from these different uh, companies. Like when you think of Facebook and Google, they know quite a lot about you because a lot of people were willing to share that because they're trying to like have conversations with people. They're trying to show a little bit of like who they are and what their life is all about. So you started like seeing the rise of like Instagram and you started seeing like influencers. You got YouTube uh, people uploading all kinds of dumb stuff that they would do. And you got all these people that were sharing so much information about their lives, about what they were doing that companies started realizing, oh, we could sell this information. And that's kind of, you know, advertising as we know it today, as we go into now digital marketing, where there's just so much information out there that you could learn about a person, you could take that information in, you could like sell them services. If you know that they're on your website, you could actually retarget them on like Facebook or Google or wherever to let them know like, hey, this purchase is still in your basket. Or we know that you looked at this thing, so you might be interested in this thing along with like two, three, four other things. And if you can imagine, I'm sure all of you have experienced this at some point where you're at the store and then you're like looking at something or you talk about something and then all of a sudden on Facebook or Google or wherever, you immediately start seeing ads for those things. You don't know if it's because the microphone's been listening to you or there's these little trackers that sometimes like different companies will deploy around their store to actually identify where you sit in a certain location. And it'll actually use Bluetooth to identify, oh, they were looking at this item. So maybe we should retarget them with that item on Facebook. 
because we know like their device ID and their device ID is tied into like their Facebook account. They can like grab a lot of that information. So that's the state of web as we know it today. It's basically like this information goldmine that everyone's been sharing out. And that can be problematic because not a lot of people necessarily want their information shared out or even better, maybe they actually want to be paid for that information instead of just willingly give it out. So that's kind of the promise of Web3 is Web3 is supposed to be taking that information and bringing a lot of that value back to the user or the customer. So what that means is a user, instead of uh, currently like being sold different ads, being sold different things based on information that they gave out but don't really have control over because now someone like Facebook owns it, now they can retrieve some of that information and potentially be paid for that information. So one example of a project that's happening on Web3 is the basic attention token. So a lot of you might not have heard or may have heard of the Brave browser, which is essentially a browser that actually like takes a lot of information that you bring in and will actually allow you the opportunity to engage with companies that might be interested in showing you their services or their goods. But the kicker to this is they actually pay you to engage with that advertisement. So you're actually being rewarded for giving them attention and having them or having you consider them as a potential thing to buy. How cool is that? Instead of just willingly giving out your information, you hear about like these data breaches all the time. What if you could actually control that information and give it to people that you're more concerned about or that you actually want to engage with and maybe be rewarded for that information. So that's just a small part of Web3. Another part of it is also like easier verification. So there's this thing about the metaverse and I've, I've talked about it a couple different times on early episodes where the metaverse is like this like future domain for everyone to go work and play and all that fun stuff. And it's finding itself in Web3. It's kind of like this foundation, if you can think of like it being this like brand new economy is what the metaverse is going to be with Web3. Except with the metaverse, everything that you're doing digitally can actually retain some kind of value to it. So long would be the days of like buying something online and then you just kind of sink money into like whatever this thing is and that's it. It could be something that someone else could easily leverage. And that's kind of like the purpose of like what NFTs and all those fun things are all about that some people might have heard of, where it's easier to transact. It's easier to move things from one location to another using NFTs, the metaverse, and being able to like speed up that transaction so it gets between people quicker. That actually brings up another interesting point which is, is the person I'm interacting with actually them? And Web3, one of the promises is that there's essentially going to be like this one blah, this one profile to rule them all. So there's an interesting project called the Ethereum Name Service, which is kind of part of this broader ecosystem of Ethereum. And Ethereum is kind of like, it's supposed to be like this giant kind of supercomputer that is the basis behind like all of the smart contracts and it's like this uh, infrastructure for like validating and making sure that the ledger continues to be accurate and updated. 
So the Ethereum name service, if we kind of go back to that, is essentially a push to have like a certain domain name associated to a person and a wallet. So what this would mean is no more having like separate profiles among different places. Like right now, you have to sign in the Facebook separately, sign into your Google or Gmail separately. You have to sign into all kinds of different services separately, and you have to have like different passwords for literally everything. The goal with the Ethereum name service is to have essentially like one name to rule them all. Everything kind of comes to this centralized kind of location, and it is uniquely you. You don't have to worry about anyone coming in and acting like you. You're not going to get like all these fake profiles because essentially the name is tied to a person, which is tied to a wallet and everything just kind of comes together and you have to be able to prove through the validation services on like Ethereum and other services that this is you, this is what you got going on, this is what you own and you can verify it. it's easy to track and you just don't have to worry about all those things that are currently problems with our current web. So it gets into our question, how much should a business care about this right now? I mean, this is such new technology that it can be very difficult for a business to try to leverage it for their company right now. And understandably, there's not really a lot you can do. However, one thing I would definitely recommend doing is just start researching some of these projects. There's a lot of cool projects out there that may have an effect on your bottom line at some point. Like for example, you're I've we're talking about like the Ethereum name service. Maybe try going to like the Ethereum name service and trying to nail down either your name, like your personal name or your business name right now before someone else takes it. Because if you can imagine like trying to build a website right now and like trying to get a .com name right is it's it's almost impossible without having to pay like thousands of dollars. So that's something I would definitely start looking into is, is there any kind of like names you need to secure or even start experimenting with like different wallets? Like I know Coinbase does a great job helping people kind of get into crypto and into blockchain and kind of beginning to understand like what this thing is all about. There's also something for like more advanced users. If you want to dive into it a little bit more, it's like MetaMask is another great wallet to check out. There's just a lot of really cool things right now. Like uh, we talk about Google, for example, like there's a project called The Graph, which essentially is trying to be the Google blockchains. And it's going out there and it's finding easier ways of tracking down information on the blockchain. You have an organization called Chainlink, which is actually getting some funding help from Google that are finding ways that you can bring like tangible things from the real world onto the blockchain. Kind of similar to the example we used earlier about clothing and finding out what kind of materials the clothing is actually being made from. So there's all kinds of cool things, even like with the basic attention token which through like the Brave browser we were talking about that you could actually reward users for interacting with your ads, which could prove to have way better ROI compared to throwing your money into this ether of like Facebook advertising and Google advertising and hoping someone clicks on it and hoping it's not someone fake and it's actually someone real. So there's all kinds of cool things going on. So that's all I can really 
recommend at the moment is go out there, educate yourself on blockchain and kind of what it means, where it's at, and just keep tabs on it. I wouldn't say there's like a bunch of stuff you need to go do right now with blockchain, but it never hurts to go out and get educated on it. And speaking of that, I love talking about it too. So if you ever have any like questions or just want to start up conversation about blockchain, Web3 and kind of what all of this, you know, means moving forward in this like more digital society, feel free to reach out to me at Lorenz 38 on Twitter, or you can also interact with me through like impact.co. So I would love to hear you guys' thoughts and things that you kind of feel when it comes to talking about Web3, blockchain, some of the mystery behind it. I want to hear all of it. And then if you want to hear more topics about this, along with other things having to do with like technology, the digital transformation, definitely feel free that you like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you prefer to listen to your podcast. And yeah, we'll have some good conversations to come. See you later. Thank you for tuning into this episode of The Download. Blockchain and Web3 are quite the interesting topics to discuss when thinking about the digital transformation. If you have any comments about blockchain and Web3, reach out to Britain on Twitter at blawrence38. Also make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you're notified of future episodes.